episode 74 of Board Games with Varian Hex is all about our Board Game of the Month for September 2022. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, Aaron and I talk about what we played in September. We'll review the month using plays we logged in the BG Stats app, and pick games to bring back to the table, games to call, and finally each select our Game of the Month. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to myself and Aaron talking about what we played in September. Do you remember? The 10th of September? Why the 10th? I was going to say all the games we played in September. Oh, I thought you were like that song, like, do you remember? Kind of, oh. but about games. And in September. What do you think that song says next? I, you know what? I don't know song lyrics. Oh, okay. And you're right. That's not important. We're talking about the board games we played in September of 2022. Oh, I remember that. Good. That's why we're here. We played, well, I should say I played. Oh, hold on. I actually have your list up first. So I can tell you that you played 15 ga- different games, 16 total plays. So something in here you played twice. Oh, a walk in the park. Oh, gosh. Um, And I played, I played a lot of stuff because I played things. I played generally more BGA games. It kind of went on a BGA games hot streak. And uh, Adam and I also played a bunch of games of Connect Four. We're kind of trying to get him to alpha status so that he can play alpha games. Which I think it's called reviewer status. So you can play alpha games on BGA. But then we can play alpha games by extension. Yeah, as soon as he invites us to a game, then we could play it. Once you get into an alpha game, uh, while it's in alpha, you can then play with other people who have been invited to an alpha game. But you can't start, I think... I think that's it. I think you can't start it with somebody else. Like, I can't then invite you. Adam would have to invite mm. both of us. Anyways, I played 43 games, but a total of 82 plays. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Um, What's your H index? My H index is three. Oh, so so lots of variety. And the no, connect, no, connect you'll four see. It's just not in there. It is. Well, Connect oh, Four connect is, four is, is in, there. in there. Oh, just nothing it else. It is in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is 82 plays of 43 games. What we usually do, which I'm going to do right now, is read off all those games somewhat quickly. Uh, And these are in the the order of the number of times I played them. Connect Four, Can't Stop Express, Therma Please, King of Tokyo, A Walk in the Park, Bandata, Potion Explosion, Jaipur, My Selfie, Next Station London, Lucky Numbers, Super Mega Lucky Box, Similo, Space Station Phoenix, Cellulose, Genotype, Mariposas, San Francisco, Wormholes, Crusaders, Bahama Taxi, It's a Wonderful World, Power Failure, Twin Palms, Mood Adventure, Steamrollers, Seven Wonders, Chromino, Caro, Little Factory. That's pretty. No, wait. Manmus Ock Gunnarkernen is Divi Dice, Mechanical Beast. Acropolis, Thrive, Boomerang USA, Patchwork, Boss Quest, Bubbly Pop, The Shipwreck, Arcana, Spotted, Bandito, Dandelions, and Linkage. You don't have King of Tokyo in that list, do you? I said King of Tokyo, didn't I? Oh, sure enough, I wasn't listening. Yeah, that was number. That was the fourth one uh. that I said. So yes, those are the games that I played this month. The thing that I played the most thing you played the most was a walk in the park we, which i played it twice twice my h index is one yeah um the thing that i played the most was connect four adam and i played 19 games of connect four back to back i would honestly did either of it. you win four times in a row did oh. you connect four did you connect connect four? hold on hold on 
Adam, well, this is what I'll say. Adam definitely won four times in a row. Did I win four times in a row? No. Uh, I won seven. I won seven times in one draw. Seven? One draw? Oh, I guess you can. Draw. It's Connect Four. Yeah, yeah, we filled the whole thing. And we were trying to see how fast, because he has like a hundred or more games to go. So we were trying to see how fast could we get through games to like, mm-hmm. and we were like, well, if you can do, you know, if you can do a game every like minute, that's, you know, a couple power hours right. and you're there. But then we we're like, oh, if it takes three or four minutes a game, that really pushes the uh, the amount of effort required there. Um, and he's done a lot of the work by playing. He's gone deep on a few different games on BGA. So, uh, yeah, we played 19 games of Connect Four. And I would recommend it because it sort of, like, we were attempting to play fast. I think this is not at all the same as what happens in, but also the same as what happens in chess, where you can speed play it or you can really think about it. So by speed playing it, there's a different kind of rhythm. And sometimes you can get by with, like, you can kind of tell that you're taking someone's attention off to the side. And then you can sort of get by because you know they're kind of looking at this area where you put things and you know they're not paying attention over to the other side where actually things are stacking up in your favor. That happened for Adam more than me. I was glad to have just won some just to feel like I also participated here. I imagine when not speed playing and playing with adults who are accustomed to logical board game style thinking that it is pretty drawish if you're playing slow. The, Which is a chess word, by the way, draw-ish. Is it really a chess word, or are you being weird? No, no, it's a chess word. So, oh, okay. like, there are certain end games where, like, it's probably going to be a draw, and they're referred to as draw-ish end games. Oh, okay. Some openings often lead to draw, like the Berlin. Okay, so it's as a legitimate chess thing, then it's I don't think it's quite the same, because you can be sort of unavoidably setting someone up if you get just the one right move. Because right. the way Connect Four works is just like, oh, I have no way to block this. You have two ways to now win. And I think that's probably, if we had started taking a little more time, I imagine that's the place where we would have gotten is to, I'm trying to create scenarios where I have two ways to win. Well, and I think though you play it enough and you're not playing fast, pretty quickly you get to, I'm two or three placements ahead of time, avoiding scenarios where the other person can accomplish that. I'm already burnt out talking about it. So that is everything we played for the month. Now, you, the one we played twice for you, which was the your most plays, was a walk in the park. It's a roll and write kind of spinoff. I'd say spinoff, not a different version of a game called The Gardens, which we still have not played the full thing. It came from Kickstarter. I really didn't like it. I think I really enjoy roll and writes, but that one uh, I think was the first uh, one for me where I was like, okay, so we're just kind of making anything into a roll and write then, huh? Like it just didn't, it's fine enough. It's like, it's perfectly fine, but it's not good. And maybe also being more into that genre and enjoying those they are often one player games and they're multiplayer solitaire, two things that I like that one though. Not I so recall much. We played it twice. Cause I was like, let's play it again. Maybe you'll like it better. And I don't know that that's ever, I don't know. I guess that, that has worked out sometimes. It did It did not work out this time. So uh, those are the games we played the most. The games that we added to the collection were A Walk in the Park and Gardens. So that came from Kickstarter. We added one that I'm actually not going to totally mention, which I bet it'll come up next month. And then we played uh, Caro. I think it's good, like Kerosene. So mm. I think it's called Caro. And that is a interesting 
two-player game that has a slightly, just has a bit of a real-time aspect to it. I really enjoyed it. I like mixing in a little bit of real-time, but also giving you strategy time. I think you did not, which is too bad because it's a two-player game. Yeah, I mean, I typically don't like being time-bound. It wasn't as bad. Like, there was definitely thought time, so I didn't hate it as much. I think that there was... That's the one where you have to roll the dice, and then you and have to the roll truck. eight to stop the people, but really it's dumb because, yeah. No, I didn't like it at all. Okay, so we've come back around to yeah, fact you. I remember now. But that little bit of it, like, I don't feel like that part is even impactful enough for me to put... Like, that wouldn't be enough for me to put so much weight on it to say that like yeah that's gonna break the game for me because it didn't it doesn't come up that often anyways the idea of what you're doing there it's just a two-player game there are these really big sand timers that are like inside of what look like 3d printed truck like semi so the sand timer part is like the cargo is like the trailer of the semi and you stand it up and you get to like kind of roll your dice to uh, get the resources you'll have to use. And when you're ready to stop rolling your dice, you put your semi back down, it stops the sand timer. And then you're refilling your gas. They, you have to try to, you're letting the sand timer go and the other person is, the other rolling, is rolling to, to stop try to you from stop the their sand tank. timer. I think, it's, I think it's a lovely bit of luck and randomness and like kind of that art, kind of artificial pressure that time creates. There's like no that. reason for them to not let me use my second hand. I felt dexterity shamed. Well, yes, and that is the idea is that you're only supposed to use one hand, and I think that's because if you're using two hands to try to roll dice, like you could maybe do it so fast that it becomes an unfair disadvantage to the person who's filling up their tanker. Right. But you felt like it was un, and I don't. You could also roll, like we've all played Yahtzee. You could also roll and just get a bunch of the things anyway. That's what happened never. Well, but it, I think that the fact that that could happen is more the point. I don't think you're meant to necessarily stop them from refilling. I think it's meant to be something that's not necessarily going to happen easily. I Like that is, like the fact that it is difficult is maybe the point. I acknowledge and do not enjoy. Because they also say once you get down to one dice, you, you're trying to roll to get the same dice face. And once you get down to one, if you roll it three times and don't get it, they still have to just stop filling up. I five, I, time, five times, I think. Five, three, five. They roll a number of times. The point is, they also don't put in there that you would be rolling indefinitely. Like, they also have a stopper kind of in yeah, there. Yeah, when the truck is full, you don't need to roll anymore. Right. I think you usually fill up your truck. I think the idea is that it's kind of easy to fill up your truck. I acknowledge this, and I don't like it. But I do think Gosh. the the I will say for the game, I think having the timers in a truck and then like filling it up, like the idea of that mechanic is is pretty adorable. I the will agree that it also works un, great. The implementation is uncomfortable to me. Oh, okay. So, anyways, those were games that were added to the collection. We have not sold any games yet. We have two episodes where Adam and I uh, talk about the games that he already got rid of. And the games that I intend to get rid of are certainly on kind of the leaving shelf if they haven't actually made it into a box yet. For me, they're all still here. For Adam, they're already out the door. And uh, we also have a list on Board Game Geek that details all of those. I might update it with a little more snippets of what we said during the episode. We'll see. And then where and with who did we play games? As we already said, I played a bunch with Adam trying to get through some more games on BGA. I played with people from uh, Ruel Gaviola's Discord. I played my shelfie, which was in alpha then, and now it's in beta. It's fine. I didn't, like, love it, but I think 
I just have games that are kind of similar to that that I maybe like more, but it wasn't bad. And then Aaron and I, let's see, let me see how much we played where. So on board game stats, they give you days of the week and location. So this is for all of my plays. 75% were on board game arena. And then 12% were at home. 8% were indie coffee roasters. That's where we go on Saturday mornings, play board games, have coffee. Uh, well, Aaron has coffee. Yeah. I also drink things. And uh, then there were just a few games that were out. Maybe just one. It was 3%. That was just somewhere else, not at home or any coffee roasters. And then days of the week, 45% of the games played on Saturday, 29% on Sunday. And I'm wondering if that, I'm wondering which one of those was when we played all the Connect Four. 9% on Monday. Tuesday is the was the least common game day at only 1% oh. on Tuesday. Yeah, go figure. One percent's a weird number for the number of games. Oh, you got up there a little bit. Never mind. Yeah, it was like eighty some. So yeah, that's yeah. that's pretty that's pretty normal. Moving on to back to the table, what game would you like to play more, Aaron? Oh, almost certainly Shipwreck Arcana. Oh it's yeah. A, it's a collaborative logic game where you basically are setting little baby logic puzzles for your 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 comrades. And you are describing this in a way that I absolutely would not. But you're not like wrong. It is co-op. It is logic. And I guess you are effectively set creating the logic puzzle. I mean, I'm not saying that description makes me like it less, but it, it wouldn't if you would describe it like that, I wouldn't have been as excited as I know I am for Shipwreck Arcana. What it is is you have two tiles that are numbers one through seven, and there's a number of one through seven tiles, I think three of each in a bag. There's like four, I think it, at any Wait. given time, there's, I, I, the, the, the numbers in the bag should have come later in the description, but it's fine. There's a number of like logical statements about the numbers one through seven. There are tarot sized like big cards that are kind of in the center of the table. And one of them is just your like kind of health tracker. I think there's a doom that if the doom catches you or something like that. There's a tracker for that. And then each of those tarot cards, very nice art, but really they're just there for a logical statement. And it'll say something like, it, well, it talks about the numbers that you have in your hand and you've pulled two of those out of a bag of numbers one to seven. I think there's three sets of one to seven. So you could mm. have two threes or you could have a three and a seven or what have you. So the tarot cards that get laid out talk about the relationships between numbers. It's not... Dissimilar from Turing Machine. It's not totally... It's not dissimilar from Turing Machine. Yeah, there's, there's similar things happening there because the way that Turing Machine has verifiers... Shipwreck Arcana, instead of there being some, you know, secret code that you're all trying to guess and all these little cards and punch outs and stuff, it's saying those same type of statements, such as if one of your numbers is bigger than the other, put the smaller one here. Well, if you have a one and a seven, that's not really that helpful. You can do it. You can totally put one of your numbers there and then everybody, you know, the, the other people. specifically. Yeah, you put the one there, but that doesn't really say much it doesn't really eliminate it only the only thing it eliminates is the number one and how am i going to know from the other six but if you had a six and a seven and you had to put the lower number there well then i immediately know that you have a seven and if you have a five and a seven i've still also now gotten it down to just two numbers and everybody sits with a set of numbers one to seven in front of them in their player color and that's just so that the other people can kind of keep track of what the you might have or inferences they've made yeah. now i'm gonna turn it over there's a bunch of different cards like that and then 
there's this thing about them aging and you get powers and stuff. That's less important than the big logical step that happens with this game, which I'm going to give it back over to Aaron to explain because I almost get it most of the time, but it still feels fuzzy to me. Because well, I mean, you started, you started to kind of describe it. So like in the situation where one of the cards is, if one of your numbers is lower than the other number, put yeah. the lower number here. Yeah. And you might have another card that says, if your numbers are more than four apart, put put one here. Or I can't actually think of a good combination. But but basically, you might be able to legally play a tile in more than one of the four spaces. Mm-hmm. But you yeah. want to play the tile that allows you to narrow down the possible tiles in your hand. Because you're going to play a tile and then have one back. They're effectively trying to guess the one you have back. Mm-hmm. If you play the one where the seven is, what you're communicating to me if you do if if you have a one and you play it there really what i'm imagining is that the other th- you couldn't play in the other three places so there's three logical statements you've put a one in the if one of your numbers is lower i know that the other three things can't be true of your numbers and then i can start to logic back to what number you might have where you would have chosen to make such a suboptimal play as to put a one on the card that says if you have two numbers and one of them is lower put the lower one here because all by itself, putting the one there only eliminates the one, as you suggested. Right. So the interaction of the cards can kind of lead you to some inferences that you can't just make from just exactly looking at this is the place they put the number, this is the card they chose. This is true. This is not the thing that I was referencing. Oh. I was, in fact, referencing. So you, you draw two numbers. It's, like, it's your turn, or at least your time. Because cooperative. So it, but it's your time to establish this you know, guessing thing. You pick two numbers out of the bag. You play one of them. And as Aaron was saying, the different options out there start to sort of reveal logical truths about the other cards. So there might be a place where you can play that uh, allows everyone else to deduce. It's two to four players, I think. Allows everyone else to deduce better. Like, well, if she played it here, then it's not going to be this because this would have been true. That said, maybe they get it down to two numbers. Maybe they do all that and they're like, okay, it's either going to be a six or a seven. So the little six and seven, you kind of, I think you are meant to flip the other ones over. We just raise them so they're separate Mm -hmm. from the other numbers. Well, when it comes back around to your turn, let's say that what I in fact have was the seven and everybody knows it's a six or a seven. When it comes back to my turn, I pick another oh, number right. out of the bag, and I once again have two numbers. And the part where I get a little bit lost with this, and where I'm glad it's a co-op game for this reason, even if sometimes Aaron makes me feel like it is a competitive game and I'm losing. They don't... I, don't I now have like a, you know, I now have a three and a seven. Well, if I play the seven, that could have been the number I had the whole time. Or that could have been the number that I just drew. Really, if you play a six or a seven, then I don't know if you've kept the number that I had from the last right. round. If you play a one, two, three, four, or five, I know that you still have a six or seven. Still have a six and or seven. And if your new play allows me, like if right. your new play, if I knew you had a six or seven and you. There's you, the card that says if one of your numbers is double the other. Right. Double then, or triple the other. Then I know that it's now a six because. A seven is not going to be double or triple right. of a three. Yes. So yeah, that's the part where I get a little bit lost is round over round, making sure, because, you know, we're giving this example, but (laughs) this is with all the information, making sure that I'm not overlooking, because we had a situation where 
Aaron was like, well, I thought it could be this set of numbers or this set of numbers. And I was like, couldn't it have been this third set of numbers? He's like, yeah, I didn't really think about that. And I just didn't think I was pretty confident based on how you responded. And I'm like, well, that's not how logic works. So I was trying to get better at understanding like, what are those alternatives that to everyone else playing I could have? Because I want to make sure that I'm not just not thinking of that and then giving giving something that would be a suboptimal clue. Like there could be a better clue there if I'm aware of what they're actually trying to eliminate. Right. And I think like for my money where I don't think you care to play the game this way, but like if I've if you've whittled me down to a six or a seven, I'm going to do everything in my power not to play a six or a seven on the next go. Because the most information, like if there's any possibility that one of the the tile I just drew can give you the 50% deduction, then I'll make it. If I play the six or seven, you can sometimes logically then rule out the numbers that could have given me an easy path to a six or seven based on the cards that are up. Yeah, I honestly, I... I want to play more. Bring it back to the table. Yeah, you want to bring it back to the table, and that's the point. Now, unfortunately... Really, the one that I would like to bring back to the table, and we've already established we're not going to stay on it, is Caro, because I thought that it was very interesting, um, but... Uh, Maybe we can have a, a Caro Shipwreck Arcana marathon. Oh, gosh. I don't know about a marathon, because I don't know that... I, I I might be like, yeah, leave it off the table for Caro to do a marathon of Shipwreck Arcana. I like it, but I, I, I think it is very true. I don't like it as much as you do. The one that I would bring back because I had low expectations of it while reading the rule book is mechanical beast. This oh. was also actually, I think, I think this must've just came in the month before and we hadn't, hadn't played it yet because it's recent. It was the first time we played it. It's a, a effectively a tile laying game. Um, you're trying to, I think there's semi co-op ways to do it, but you, there's this mechanical beast that has now gotten too big, to be controlled and it's kind of like taking on a life of its own where it was once built to sort of serve so you're going into it trying to shut it down and to do that you're discovering rooms that's how you're laying out tiles and then some of those rooms have like gears and stuff where you can turn the different pieces you discover people as you go through it and they're people who have like lived their whole life in the beast is the theming of it and when you finally find the control room you shut it off And then the rooms start disappearing, but you're trying to get all the people out and you're trying to exit yourself. The way it talked about how the rooms would move, I thought was just like, this is going to be a mess. I don't think I'm really going to like this. When we first started playing it, we still both felt like, wow, this would make a really good app. Just because in a digital implementation, it's a little finicky, right? In a digital implementation, all of that moving and stuff could happen exactly. You're not kind of knocking everything about your making sure to line it back up properly. I would say that's also true for when the rooms start disappearing, but I think when reading the rule book, I really didn't, until I saw the pieces working, which is kind of my deal, that's usually how I fully understand a game. When I saw the pieces working, it was better than what I expected. And the way that the rooms can move, combined with the fact that they start disappearing, is... It was pretty pretty fun. It was way more fun than I think I expected it to be when we started out. I was kind of like, well, you know, I bought it. I guess I'll give it one play. But after we were done, we talked about it for a while. And then it was just a better puzzle. And we weren't constantly moving the rooms either at the beginning. Because there really wasn't a lot of benefit to it. 
So then near the end, we're moving them and turning them and they're disappearing. And it was easy to keep up with. I felt like it was easier to keep up with than like, not Portal the board game, but like the Portal the actual game, you're kind of doing this like moving through rooms and sort of a mind bending thinking with portals thing. It kind of started to get to that place. I don't mind the analysis paralysis of a thing like that, but I know at times you were like, okay, let's just do it and figure out what happens. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's, let's actually know. So that one, and it also has a solo mode because it's co-op. So you can just, uh, it's co-op. You can just play it solo as well. I think with the, basically the same, the same setup. Um, so that one, I'd like to get back to the table. I don't know that it's going to end up being like my favorite game. Like, I don't know that it's going to be anything like that, but it was just more interesting. Once I saw it working, I was more eager to try it again. And there's different ways you can set up the tiles because there's sort of a, you have to set them up. So things come out at a certain time right. and you can change the difficulty then right. based on how you set up that stack of tiles. So and yeah, nicely produced for being a small box, like kind of Kickstarter, more independent game. It was still very nicely produced and uh, and all right to play. Yeah. yeah, I think so. All right. So that is the back to the table. Now, what game may not stay? The call action. We kind of talked about before that there are games that we're getting rid of. This is also meant to be spiritually maybe one that we would not buy if it was something we played on Board Game Arena. It's kind of the anti-game of the month which maybe that's what we'll start calling it i don't know if we still have this game i think we played it on bga but if we did still have it i would get rid of potion explosion oh we don't have potion explosion anymore and really but uh, spiritually it's a right yes 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 and that's appropriate and that you know that fits that was the anti-game of the month um the one that we played and you weren't about it i mean i've never i feel like i didn't have a good time i don't remember why uh because i stole your stuff Oh, I don't like that. That's been a theme this month. Yeah. I think in general, I've never loved Potion Explosion. I I, yeah. I, I liked it when we first got it because I think it's an mm-hmm. adorable mechanic. It's a fun game. Yes. But in the playing, I, there's just games I like playing more. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll play Sentry a hundred times before and I'll be like, you know what? Let's play Potion Explosion. It is engaging. Like when you say to see it on a table and that you actually have to pull out these mar- marbles and the gravity clacks them together. And it feels a lot like, a you know, a lot of uh, app games, those kind of right, right. pop things in a row. And the app for it is really good. The On BGA, uh, BGA is not as charming as the app, but it still is very nicely designed. Um, but yeah, we, the, the, when you buy it now, it comes with a plastic potion tray. When we bought it, it came with a cardboard potion tray. And we also thought, well, we'll just leave, I did, we'll just leave the potions, the little marbles in this tray. But what happened was that the bottom of the tray, like the bottom board there that holds them, it got all like bendy. And then that meant that in the middle, you could see more of the marbles that were coming out Cheaters. and i think some of that i think you're kind of meant to be able to do that but like it was just getting more dramatic and so that also helped to be like yeah i don't could you easily get a little piece of wood and reinforce the end you could but now you're just 3d printing potion explosion yeah i just felt like i'd let that go do you remember the game that i said was it genotype or cellulose uh, I think it was cellulose where you have to buy the extra yeah, action, but then it also that's goes be my away. Game of the month. Okay, well, spoilers. But I'm not saying that that isn't particularly my anti game of the month. But the same way you said, oh, I took your stuff. In general, I don't like 
people taking my stuff or like I pay for something and I don't like really get to keep it. Like I just pay for the use of it. Other games that we should we just like roll my game of the month into your least favorite game of the month and talk about cellulose together. Well, we will talk about cellulose soon. Anti game of the month. Let me make sure that I actually that was actually this month. Connect four. It's no. I mean, there wasn't enough going on to connect four to not like that was this month. Honestly, there were a lot of games we played this month that I was like, eh. San Francisco. I didn't really like. Yeah, it was just okay. I think there was kind of the result was like, oh well, I got none of the points. Okay, and I think maybe it's better at more players, but also at more players, there's a the way that you're getting buildings in San Francisco, you have like a little bit of the city and you're trying to build skyscrapers and get points for doing that in different areas of town. Loosely, loosely stated, that's what's happening. You kind of get to take city blocks at a time. You get to claim these city blocks that are these square cards that go on your player mat for your part of the city. And there's a slight, like you flip it and you might not be able to just place it because of rules and reasons. You have to like put it out on Mm -hmm. the board and then you have to like claim columns mm-hmm. from this board as they stack up. So in a two-player game, I think that doesn't in one on one hand, I spent most of the game trying to understand that mechanism. So that was why I was frustrated with it. Maybe it would be better to play it one more time because that would make sense to me and I understand how that's balancing the effort. I think in a higher player count though, you would just be sitting around like you would just be flip you'd flip that and not get to play it and then everybody else gets to go. The way that that creates the pacing and rhythm of the game, I feel like like I'm off beat with it. Like I can't understand the rhythm that it's making. That's how I feel when I play Puerto Rico against you. That you can't understand the rhythm that's Puerto Rico. No, I'm just off beat. Like I'm just one move behind all the time. Well, yeah, and that's I feel like it's not even like one move behind. It's like I don't understand the intended pacing of how that's meant to work, like the flow of it. Like, how am I supposed to get the things that I want in mm. this? I feel like I just have to get whatever's left over. Maybe that's also how you feel about Puerto Rico as well. Puerto Rico does make sense to me. This does not make sense to me. So I think that one, but I also will say for the board game arena games we played, Adam and I often just pick one up, don't read the rules, see what happens. And that was true for Bubbly Pop, Linkage, Chromino. Bahama Taxi, Steamrollers, and Boss Quest. They were all ones that we just like, we just started playing and I, there's none of those do I want to play again. I think that reading the rules before playing it might infinitely increase your enjoyment of it. Reading the rules, oh, of those, of all of those games? Of any game. You didn't play them. That, I'm, that's accurate. You, listen, if you pick up a game of Bahama Taxi... And read might, the rules. I might want to try Bubbly Pop first. Based on what you said about Potion Explosion, I mean, it looks more like Potion Explosion. It's not like that at I mean, all. I mean, I'm just being contrary. Well, I don't know why. All right. Anyways, moving on to, finally, Game of the Month. And yours is, is it Cellulose? Oh, it's absolutely Cellulose. It's not Genotype. It's not Genotype. I, okay. well, one, I thought Cellulose was better educationally themed than Genotype. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of cool. And they're clever. both from Genius Games, and that's sort of their deal. Yeah, like is si- I think they're all scientific. I don't know if they're all scientific. I a lot of them are scientific. Games. Yeah. There's lots of metabolism going on in the yeah. in the deal. So, in addition to really liking how well they implemented the theme of like just plant cell growth, mm-hmm. I 
adored the mechanic of having to commit water to a public shared water system and then that having the reward of getting an every move getting an extra move in the next round but so you didn't get to keep it you're and it's saying kind of a unique mechanic you're saying specifically the thing that i liked the least is the thing is the reason it made your game of the month i i thought it was a clever mechanic i enjoyed oh, the thought gosh, process I and it. i liked it a lot i hated it the way that the game is working you're doing whatever in a cell and we can see that the educational side of it didn't exactly sink in with me you're doing whatever in a cell you're, you're building the cell wall is the major th point of the game and you're By using combining carbons or you're combining like oxygen and carbohydrates well wait wasn't it water oh sorry so you're uh, yeah, you're, you're combining water and carbs. Wa water and carbs Which, to get carbohydrates anything, to build the cell wall. It did tell me like I should drink more water. I feel like I got that out of it. Like, oh, water and carbohydrates mm. is what's making my cell walls. Like, well, I mean, those are plant cells, but yes. Oh wait, what makes my cell walls? Probably the same thing. Okay, well, you find out. Let me know. You're you are using this water and carbohydrates, and by default on the game board, there's a spot where you can get six carbohydrates. This is worker placement. There's a spot where one person each round can get six carbohydrates and then as many kind of as many people not really but like a lot of people can get four carbohydrates and then for water the water just keeps decreasing so when the round starts it's set at a certain level based on your progress through the game maybe it's like five the first person that goes there gets five and they push the thing down to four the next person that gets water you know gets four they push it down to three well when you take carbs you also push the water down and then three is the least amount of water after that just nobody gets water anymore well it takes six and six of these resources to get a little like cell wall block which is a lot well there's this other board that you can pay yet more resources for to move your piece so that every day that happens every time the sun rises you get more of these resources in which is good but then these scarce, these scarce-ish resources that pretty I scarce. They're scarce because I have to use so many. Like there are actually a lot of them, but I have to use so many to get to the next step. So they're scarce. Even though I can make them come in automatically every day, I'm still going to have to occasionally get them actually off the board. And then if I want more actions, so that I can get more of these scarce resources, I just have to use one of the resources that it's scarce. You get the action, but like. I guess I've paid. It's an economic balancing game, which is I like guess among I've my favorite things. I paid for the action. So I did get the thing that I paid for. But what I don't like is that there's not a reliable cost for the action. And then the cost for the action is going to be dependent on your, what everybody else is doing. opponents, yeah. And I don't like that at all. I want to know how much the action is. I don't want it to kind of be cheap sometimes and then be crazy expensive other times. Because it's not even like I'm going to plan for it turn it, over turn. I, on principle, just don't like it. It's a creative take on a turn-based optional auction. That's what I would call it. And I think it's super fun. And I think you know that we have had, and by we I mean me, very little success with two-player auction anything. By the way, a quick Google okay. of animal versus plant wall substrate great reveals that animal cells don't have a cell wall in the same way that plants do their cell walls are much more permeable oh uh, so you're saying that what does help my cell walls does it matter should i have something i mean your, your cell walls exist but they don't what are they not, made of i don't know I, I have a quick google search what else do you have to say about cellulose i mean you said all the great things about it well then what will people listen to while i google 
Oh, well, so there's also the, the bit about you, you talked about being able to get like increase your resources turn over turn. And a part of that was like moving your marker in a plant. And the closer you got either the you could move like down into the root system or up towards the sun. And either one of those activities netted you more resources uh, turn over turn. And I think that was also kind of just a really well worked into the theme. I'm looking at nutrients in cell wall. I mean, I believe it's protein, but I don't know. Hemicellulose, pectins, protein, and in some cases, colos, lingin, suberin. I've said so many things wrong, but I got some very scientific. That's the problem I had. I got very scientific answers and tried to sum them up quick. But you know what? I feel like what I actually got was also plant things. Right. I'm going to do cellular health supplements. Vitamin B, ascorbic acid, coenzyme Q10, alpha lympoic, lympoic? I don't know that word. ALA. Okay. Well, I agree that we got nowhere here as far as our own cell health. We did learn about plant cell health. You know what we haven't learned about? My game of the month? That's it. Oh, gosh. Yep, you're right. And I don't know why I locked my phone. That's where I'm keeping it. Oh, this is my game of the month. And honestly, I had to double check that it was actually this month because it feels like so long ago. I thought that maybe it was last month. My game of the month is Moon Adventure. Oh, that's the the one that I waited in line seven times for? That number is getting higher and higher. It is an oink game. We did get it at Gen Con. It is sort of a spinoff. I'm trying to look to see what the year, was it released this year? Do you know? You don't know, I, do you? I don't. Um, Google it search was, really, really no. it has nothing to do with carbohydrates. Yeah. It was released in 2021. So just released last year. Bit of a spinoff on Deep Sea Adventure, but now you're on the moon and it's co-op. And when we first got it out of the box, it's a it's an oint game, but it's in a double size box. Yeah. So By the way, speak. this is in the other category. We played it at a coffee shop we'll most likely never go back to. Oh, that is true. That is true. This is this is one of the other games. Not oh. indie where we play lots of games. We played it on September 3rd, uh, and then we did just the beginner kind of level of it. And we were when we were pulling out of the box, oink game, but a double-sized box, it felt a bit like, I don't know if you remember this. I thought we're getting it was these delightful cards. and charming. Now, that is not what you said at the time. When we were getting all the cards and everything out, we weren't wild about the setup because it was like setting up Deep Sea Adventure, but then we had these oxygen cards, we had other stuff, like we had these other pieces and bits to keep pulling out where it felt like sometimes little games like that to me feel like I don't know guys why don't you just put it in a bigger box and put a board in here like I think oh, they can feel thought, that way I, I remember it's been a long time as you suggested but yeah. I remember that we both liked it well I can tell you for one thing we did not both like it and at the time you had a different opinion about it huh the, those were the faces you were making at me then I think you are colored by the fact that we had a great time playing it because you're the thing about Deep Sea Adventure, which I like one of the few instances of a of a game like this where I like semi co-op because you can steal the oxygen from everybody else and go down and dive things, dive and get treasure. And you can kind of end up with a bunch of treasure while also suffocating everyone else. Um, I don't usually like games like that. I think that one's just light enough and straightforward enough that I don't uh, I don't mind it. Well, it's a pretty good fit for doing something co-op, actually, because you are, in fact, sharing right. this oxygen. So that's the same thing that's happening in Moon Adventure, and you're trying to, like, secure the moon base 
or something. At the end of the line, there's a rover. Um, there's another little like android robot buddy that comes with you. One person can make it to the end, can get in that rover at the end, and then they can like drive up and they have kind of different movement abilities. And as you're going down, you have the option to put out like oxygen tanks so that you can get oxygen on your way back up. I think the, I think we said like the basic principles of what was happening there, we were pretty sure you could still do in Deep Sea Adventure, more or less. But there was, of course, a little more to this than that. There was a bit of like push your luck risk taking that was happening around um, how you had to grab the oxygen, whether you're going to get the things you needed. Yeah. And because it would get to like the end of the deck, there were like bad cards in it or something yeah. that would ruin the spot where you were getting oxygen from. So then that would ultimately decrease your ability to get oxygen. The oxygen not being finite is the improvement that that, that spinoff needed. I liked that. Yeah, it's not finite, but at the same time, it's not necessarily more abundant either. Well, no, I mean, it's still a hard game, but I think yeah. I think the it not being finite, I think, makes the game more compelling to me. Yeah, and we you have you get to like you have these little cards in front of you and you have like five slots and I think it was that your oxygen and your treasure use yeah, the same use slots. The same slots. So yeah. you have to kind of balance like how much oxygen can I have? The more treasure I have, the less oxygen I can have. And that was a similar thing that happens in Deep Sea Adventure because as you get bogged down with treasure, you decrease your die roll. Your speed, yeah. Yeah. Well, that you your die like whatever yeah. you, you resolve your die roll. It was an agreement. Oh, it didn't feel like it. it felt contrary. Yeah, so I'm good. I'm picking that one now. In some ways, I feel like if I really, I don't know, I, I think there could be other games that would be perfectly uh, worthy of game of the month. But I just remember like how much how much we liked that one, Power Failure, which I don't think that we played we, the same day. We played that the same day. We also really liked that one. Yeah. So I think it's been to have played so many different games this month and having a f- quite a few on BGA that I'm like, eh. there were a lot of, uh, there were a lot of games in there too, that I was pleasantly surprised by. Like already talked about mechanical beasts, power failure. I was pleasantly surprised by and moon adventure was the same thing, but I, I'm going to give it to moon adventure. I feel like that's a very solid, I think it's a pretty good game that you could introduce to a lot of people. I think there's some mass appeal there. Like, I don't think that'd be a bad game to have at target. Yeah. Also, the the other one you just talked about that we played on the same day, the name Power is, Failure. Power Failure would be some nice mass appeal because there's this just really super fun thing where as you use bad energy, this tower gets tall and it ends up being a dexterity game. And when the tower falls, something happens in the game, mm-hmm. and it's it's pretty. And they are talking about mass appeal. The way they talk about the different energy types, I also like. But I don't know a about social commentary. It is a little bit, and I don't know. The only thing I don't know about mass appeal of that one is. I think that it is. It's a kind of. It's kind of tricky. Like it's, it has been simplified to its essence. So I think it feels very straightforward as to what you're trying to accomplish. But yeah, it's, I would say it's, it's little, on the medium. It's a side. little complicated. It's on the heavy side of medium. Like it's yeah. not. Like, I think it's more complicated than what you expect from that size of box. Like you get that, a little game and yeah. you're like, oh, it's a little game. This is going to be yeah. so light and breezy. Yeah. But it's the, there's a little more in there than that. Yeah, the complexity to box volume ratio is high. Right. <laughs> right. Not like uh, a Rosenberg game. You're like, yeah, it's a huge box, and I bet it's mm. filled with cardboard that I'm going to have to assign meaning to. Yeah. Yeah. Just like that. Just like that. Do we have any other parting shots? I don't. We don't have, like, we just talk about the game of the month. We don't really have an official close to this. 
We'll see if next month that uh, mail truck game gets on one of our lists. The one we bought out of the back of a mail truck. Oh, you just want to talk about USPS. Let's play it tomorrow. All right, let's do it. Thank you so much for listening to episode 74. Be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at Variant Hex. We have a website and a blog at VariantHex.com, and you can email us at podcast at VariantHex.com. We're testing out some new equipment and setups, which we hope will make it easier to record and edit. If you have any recording tips, please let us know on the platforms I just mentioned. Also, you could just say hi. We've certainly been less active on socials lately, but we would still love to hear from you. You're likely to find me lurking on Twitch streams and other content creators' Discord channels, so feel free to say hi in those places as well. The next episode will be a mystery. There's a lot of games we've played and not discussed here. We haven't done any reviews lately or coffee shop game episodes or game box games in a long time. We're also thinking about starting a new Gate Crasher series, so that might be coming up this month. If you're listening to these in reverse, you have 73 more episodes headed your way, the next one being about Lost Runes of Arnak and the related games liked by fans on BoardGameGeek. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Bye.